Well, uh, there was a cool breeze that wisped down the rocky hillside. The sun had already set, and that deep purple had transitioned into an even deeper, darker blue sky. The stars were in full effect and completely shining at full strength when one of them grabbed the log and went over to the fire and dropped it onto the fire. And as the embers wafted gently into the air, it illuminated the weathered faces of this group of shepherds. But they weren't just shepherds, not just any shepherds. These were night shift shepherds, which means something. Because if you're pulling shepherds, first of all, the shepherd is the lowliest of the lowliest jobs. It's the job that nobody else wants to do. It's a group of people that are actually despised by other people. But if you're pulling the night shift card, you got to understand, you got the bum shift. And as they've been out there with these sheep, They've been actually uh, hanging out and living in these fields at night, keeping their sheep there, grazing as long as the grazing is good. And from their vantage point, they can see every single sheep in this flock. Not only can they see the flock, of, uh, this entire flock, so that they can protect them from themselves as they have, are prone to wander off on their own, but they're also protecting them from others that are out there, animals that might want to come and consume them, thieves that might want to come and steal them, making sure that they are taken care of. And as the sheep are huddled together, they begin to settle down for night, for the evening, and that's when it happened. And this it was unlike any other it that these shepherds have ever experienced. When this it happened, it changed everything for them. There was a light, but not just any light. It was a brilliant light. It was like a thousand bonfires that were all around them all at once. And the fire engulfed them. The light engulfed them. It engulfed their flock. It engulfed the hillside that they were on. And as they squinted with their eyes, they looked through and they saw an angel. An angel of the Lord. Now you have to understand that these shepherds are trained to handle in difficult situations and deal with adversity. They are there. They are tough guys that are out there. They are there to defend the flock from beasts that might come and try to eat them. They're there to defend their sheep against thieves that might come and steal them. But this... This was something completely different. This left these tough guys terrified. See, that's where we find ourselves today in our story. That's where we find ourselves today here in this second week of our Christmas series. You know, we've been tying each week to a different, or we're going to be tying every single week to a different Christmas carol that is going on. And as we uh, do this and we, we tie this to these different Christmas carols that are going on today, we're going to be looking at a Christmas carol that was inspired by this event that comes out of Luke chapter 2. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them right now. If you're at home today, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we're going to see one angel that appears give way to an entire chorus, choir of angels that are here. Well, there we go. This could be really interesting. <laughs> Alan, help. <laughs> I don't know, he's probably on his way. Anyways, so anyways, 
So as we look at this, we've got this angle. And our, our core, our, our, uh, our carol today is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And this carol comes from 17, was written in 1739. And it talks about this angelic encounter that takes place. And I'm just going to read to you the, the lyrics. Here's how it goes. You may see it on this. This is how it goes. Hark the Herald Angels Sing says this. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You'd probably sing it with me, couldn't you? Why don't you sing it with me? Oh, there. It's, we're halfway there. Here we go. So this is, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with, angel with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That's the carol that we're dealing with, right? That's the carol we sing. We've sung it. You've if you've caroled, you've sung it. If you've watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life, remember that? I, whenever I see this part, I see, I can't remember what the guy's name, he was one of the cops, and he sings and he's like angry singing, he's like, hark the herald, and I'm like, wow, you're scary, but that's okay. The lyrics of this, okay, can I make a confession right now as we're going through this series? Can I tell you this? Don't tell anybody, okay? I hate Christmas music. I really do. I hate the fact that November 1st Christmas music comes on, like there's still pumpkins and stuff around, and they got Christmas music, and I'm like, good grief, man. I don't like it. But you know what? Beyond the fact that they play it early, I don't like it because it's really difficult to play. The carols are really difficult to play, especially on the guitar, which is what I do. So it, it's kind of a nightmare. And most of them are kind of cheesy and lame and whatever. Um, but there are a handful that I really like. So I'm not trying to buy humbug. I apologize. But I am just telling you straight up. That, that, but this one is one of those that I really like because there's some depth to the lyrics that are in this that kind of unfold and tell this story in such an amazing way. And there's some stuff that's just in this passage right here, just in this, in this first verse that they sing. Hark the herald angels sing. There are these angels are just coming, they're heralding something, and they're heralding what? That there's glory, they're giving glory to a newborn king. A king has arrived. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been watching the news, we know we had a, the passing of queen in, in England, right? And she was gone, and all of the fanfare, everything that went as, they, as, as she passed, and a new king took place. Okay, so there's, when you have a change of leadership and a new king comes, it is a big deal. Such a big deal that they send these angels and they're coming down and they're going to sing about this. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. This is what Jesus comes when this king comes. He's bringing with him peace because he is going to be the prince of peace. And it says, joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim. Understand, this is an invitation to join. This isn't, hey, listen to us sing. This is join us. Join us in proclaiming. Join us in spreading the good news that the king is here. The king is here. That what Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Man, it's got some fun stuff to it. I really, really like it. And the passage that we're going to be looking at today is the one that inspired this carol to be written. And so as we are here today looking at this, once you grab your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2, and we're going to read 8 through 18. Chapter, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 18. If you're at home, make sure you grab your Bible. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 8 
through 18. And if you would join with me, which is our tradition here, please stand for the reading of God's word to honor it. As we look here at this amazing encounter. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. He got backup singers. Praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem. And let's see this thing that has happened, which the Christ, what the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Father God, as we look in your word today, as we dig in this, Lord, may you make a very familiar passage speak new to us today. May your spirit speak to our hearts. May you draw us into the story. May we live it anew today. In your name we pray, God. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. All right. So our story here begins with the with our shepherds. As the story begins with our shepherds, we have our shepherds out in the field encountering an angel. And not only an angel, but the angel brings with it the glory of the Lord. And I love it because what was their response to experiencing the glory of the Lord is very telling here is they were terrified. Terrified. This is an intense, this is a harsh word that is here. They were terrified. You see, most of us, when we think of Christmas, we don't think of terror, do we? When we think about Jesus, we don't think of terror. It was, it was, it was terrifying, right? Because most of us, right, when it comes to, to Christmas, well, we have this picture of Jesus, right? We have this picture of this little sweet little baby, right? This little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus with gold fleece little diapers. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And we kind of have this image like this. Oh, it says baby, right? What do you see when you see a baby like that? You say, oh, this is baby Jesus. And what happens is when we think about baby Jesus coming down, we're like, oh, baby Jesus, sweet baby Jesus. And for a lot of people, this, this is where Jesus stays for us for our entire lives. He's a sweet little baby Jesus, right? Little babies need help. They need, they need someone to pick them up and to change them and to feed them. And they're manageable. Well, manageable. <laughs> but they're cute. Okay? And they're ordinary. Everybody's got babies, right? We've, we've seen lots of babies. There's babies kind of everywhere. And they're, they're kind of harmless. You can't, they really can't hurt anything. They can't even walk it or do any of that stuff. And so we've got this little baby and we're like, oh, is this baby cute, Jesus? But we forget, <clears throat> is that cute little baby Jesus that evening? was the embodiment of the God of the universe. 
who speaks and stars come forth. Planets come into place. The waters are stilled. This is not some just sweet little harmless baby. It says when the glory of the Lord comes around, they were terrified. That paints a different picture than sweet little baby Jesus, right? And the truth is, is we need to remember that the God that we serve is not just some sweet little, oh, cute, manageable thing that we can do that needs our help. The God that we serve and the glory that he brings, the magnitude of our God is staggering that would bring shepherds on the night shift who fight wolves. I keep getting named bears, lions, tigers, giant hippos. Anything that came their way, they were there to take them down, to take down the thieves. That's their job. And they're freaked out, terrified at the sight of it, at the magnitude of who God is. It is staggering. His power and might is overwhelming. He is extraordinary, not ordinary. It is unlike anything that we have ever seen. And for these guys, I love how Scripture talks about they were terrified in the middle of it. Which is interesting, by the way. This is consistent. It's nothing new. When people encounter God face to face, when they have an encounter with the glory of God, you know what happened? They were terrified frequently. Moses at the Mount Sinai and the people of, of, of um, Israel are all there gathered around Mount Sinai and God shows up on the top of the mountain and the people are terrified at what they're hearing. Just his voice. So much so that they're like, you can't come up. Don't Make sure the people don't come up here because they will drop dead being in my presence. And when Moses was up and in his presence and he would come back down, just the glory that he brought with them made them have to squeeze and overt their eyes. This is the power and the magnitude of our God. You think about Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, when he sits there face to face and he's, he's in, the, in the throne room and it says, I see the Lord seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and all this stuff. And immediately his response to that is, Woe to me. He's terrified because I'm an unclean man in front of a perfect holy God. He's terrified. This is the thing that goes on that we need to understand is so much of us, so many of us in our lives, we've taken God and we've shrunken him down to this manageable box, little size. We can kind of do this. And what we do is we figure out a place where we can put him. Okay, I've been moving and we've been unpacking boxes the last couple of days. And as we're unpacking boxes, this constantly this, well, where's that going to go? This is, diff this is different than this. Where are we going to put that? Where are we going to put that? That's going to go in this. And I'm looking for places to put these things, these shelves, these on the shelf and put this shelf here. And what we do is a lot of times we take Jesus and we shrink him down to the point where where can he fit in him? I look in my life and everything's in my life and I look for a spot to fit him in there. Oh, I don't have a spot that big, so I keep making him smaller and smaller and manageable, which makes it also, by the way, easier to ignore him, easier to dismiss him, Easy to, to, to help him out at times. Go, listen, God, you don't understand how the world's going these days. You don't understand how things are changing. You know, times are changing, Jesus. So you can only fit in this little area here right now. You know, that's kind of stay in your lane, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you do not understand who I am. If I was to show up in all of my glory in front of you, you would die. How big is your God today? Have you put him into a manageable space? 
Do you kind of coach them along and help them understand how culture is changing? Do you kind of bring them up to speed on things and let them know exactly this is how this works, okay? I need a miracle. This is how you're going to do it. This is when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. Do you kind of coach them along on stuff? Do you really just only hang out with them on Christmas? Is that really when you pull them out? Christmas and Easter, maybe. As they were sitting, these shepherds in the fields that night, they saw the glory of the Lord and it terrified him. I'm curious, have you ever had an experience with God? Have you ever encountered God? Can I tell you, there are moments when I encountered him where I felt like I was as close to the glory as I'd ever been. And the times when I was the closest to the glory of God in those moments, it overwhelmed me. So much so that that a, a surfer boy from Southern California who all he wanted to do was be a graphic designer was willing to say, Pastor, okay, if you're with me. By the way, it took three years to get to that point from the initial to the. But there were moments, there have been moments in my life. Have you ever been overwhelmed by God? Have you ever watched him at work and it almost scares you? I mean, even this week, there were moments where I watched God orchestrating things and I went, how did you know that this was going to go here and fit here and that? And I didn't see that coming. He's like, you don't see anything coming, Brent. He's like, by the way, your wife did, but you didn't. <laughs> no, my wife was telling me she saw it. Anyway, are you in awe of God? Or are you like, ah? We need to make sure Christmas that we remember that this is the Lord of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, coming down in flesh for us. This is a big deal. This changes everything. The glory of the Lord is powerful and it is awesome and it is not to be underestimated at all. Second thing I want to look at this is, why is this baby such a big deal? I kind of already gave the way. I've kind of given away because some of these things overlap. But why is this baby such a big deal? What's going on? Like, why did you send a whole angel down to let us know about it? Why is there a whole chorus? Why did we get the routine? What's going on with all this? What's happening? Well, there's some things that are in here that Luke kind of... Um, uh, alludes to that he kind of, he tips us off on why this baby is such a big deal. Because this is no ordinary baby. There's some things. First of all, he's from the town of David. He's from the town of David. Which, by the way, from the town of David, if you are, know your biblical history, you know that in Micah and in the Old Testament, it tips it off that said from the town of David. In Bethlehem, this is where the king's going to come from. So as soon as you say he's from what? The town of David? The line of David. Wait, this is what prophecy says that he is going to. This is the fulfillment of prophecy that they would have learned and read and heard in the scrolls. They would have heard and known. <coughs> Wait, from the line of David, that's where the Messiah is supposed to come from. It talks about him being the Savior. He talks about being the Savior. The Savior is our rescuer, our deliverer. And obviously in those days, they're sitting there, in, they're being occupied and, and by Rome. And Rome is in charge. And they're just waiting and crying out, Lord, we need a rescuer. We need someone to save us, someone to deliver us from Rome. And they're thinking this mighty warrior is going to come in and overthrow Rome. 
There were others that were like, come and, and, and I want you to overthrow the, 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 the ailments that, I, that, are de- that I'm dealing with, the issues and the problems that I've got going on. But Jesus came to do so much more. He was going to save us, but not from those things. He was going to save us from the power of sin and death. He was going to save us from that which we could never save ourselves. He was going to deliver us from something that we could never deliver ourselves from. He was going to save us from sin and death once and for all. He was the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for. They've been hearing about this from the Old Testament. Everything's been pointing towards this moment. This is the Messiah. He is here. They've been waiting waiting. They've just come through 400 years of silence where there have been no more prophets, no more words coming through. And now here we go. The next word that is spoken is the Messiah. Jesus has come. It's the one they've been waiting for. Do you know what the word Messiah means in Greek? You know what the translation in Greek of Messiah is? Christos. That's where we get Christ. Jesus, the Christ. It's not his last name. Jesus the Christ, the Christo, the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. That's what his name is. This is the one that we, you've been waiting for. The anointed one that you guys have been waiting for. He is here. And lastly, he refers to him as Lord, the King. He's here. The one who we will submit. The one who will overthrow. The one who will rule. He is finally here. We've had kings in the past and now we have this king here. The kings of the past were terrible. This king here is amazing. We have been waiting for this Messiah, this Lord, to come. This is no ordinary baby. One of the other reasons why it's a big deal is the fact, uh, well, it has to do with this idea of peace. What we're talking about today, this second candle that has to do with peace. This is what it is because Jesus, like we were listening about, is called the Prince of Peace. And on, when the angels sing in this, this, this passage, it talks about on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. There is peace that is being ushered into the world, and that's it. Why is this baby such a big deal? Because Jesus came to bring us peace. Jesus came to bring us. Well, what does that mean, though? What, what does it mean to ha- have peace? Well, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Now, as we look here in our Western culture, we look at this idea of what peace is, and for us, peace is this idea of conflict or war. And we talk about Jesus coming and bringing peace. And I don't know about you, but if you got little kids, anybody have little kids in the room? Okay, yeah, and during Christmas break, and they've got no school, and they've got no class going on, and what are you praying for? Lord, can I just get a moment of peace? Can they stop fighting? Can there stop being chaos? Can there stop being craziness? And even if you don't have kids, drive around a little bit. You're like, oh my gosh, where did all these people come from? There's lights. And we're in Bakersfield. We're not even in LA. It's like craziness here. And here, but even here, man, it drives us nuts, doesn't it? There's people everywhere. And I got to find a parking spot. And there's, there's just one, a moment of peace in the middle of it all. And Jesus said, I did. I've come to bring you peace. But it's not that kind of peace. It's not the absence of chaos. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of war. It actually has much, much deeper meaning when you look at the ancient Hebrew and what they were getting at. You see, because this idea of peace and shalom that they speak about in, in, in Scripture, this idea of shalom actually is the definition is it's bringing of completeness and of wholeness. There's this whole other layer to this peace than just tranquility and and nothing's going wrong. That's part of it. But it's this idea of completeness and wholeness. 
This biblical shalom means so much more. Jesus came to make us complete. Jesus came so that we could experience wholeness in our life, which suggests something, doesn't it? It suggests and helps us understand why we know this. We're incomplete. Because of sin that has entered into the world, we are broken. We live in a broken world and we see broken encounters every single day out there, don't we? We see the brokenness of our world. We see the incompleteness that we are. And we know this because we feel incomplete and we search for things to make ourselves complete, to make ourselves whole, to give us significance, to give us fullness. And we're looking for this anywhere and the world's like, hey, here you go. If you get that house, you just get in the right house, get the right place, man, then you will have that completeness. We have entire lists of shows and shows about how they flip houses and decorate houses and put it in. We watch and we dream and, oh, man, it'd be great if I could just get that. If I can get Chip and whatever her name is to come out and, 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 and the gains, boy, then I'd be complete. We look at careers and we think, man, if I could just do a career, then I'll have that completeness, that fullness, the wholeness. If I could just get my family in order, which you're never going to do. If you could get my family in order, my kids, everything just right, then I'm going to have that completeness and wholeness. If we could just get the right person in office, if we could just get the right person elected, if we could just change this, if we could have people in our world, if we could just change culture so that it's like, all, then we'll experience completeness and wholeness. And guess what? No, you won't. All the things that the world is offering us that it says will bring us completeness, fullness, wholeness are actually counterfeit and will not deliver. And you've experienced it because you've wanted something, you've achieved it, you've gained it, you've gotten it, and afterwards you wanted more because it didn't complete you. I don't remember which rom-com it came from in the 80s, I think, where he goes, you complete me. I don't remember which one that is. Like Jerry Maguire or something like that. But that, that whole thing right there, like you can, no, no person is going to complete you. No spouse is going to complete you. No child in your life is going to complete you. No degree is going to complete you. Nothing out there that the world has will ever complete you. But boy, we chase it hard. There are people not here in this place today because they're chasing completeness somewhere else. There are people that not are a part of the church because they're so busy chasing that fullness and that wholeness and that meaning and elsewhere. Jesus came to make us complete. To bring us wholeness because see we're incomplete and we can't complete ourselves and that's because of sin. Because of sin, we now have a broken world. We have a broken relationship with God. And Jesus comes back to restore that relationship, to make that relationship whole again, to take our lives that are broken and to make them whole again through him. And you know what that brings? It brings peace that no longer is dependent upon our circumstances. It's all dependent on Jesus. Jesus came to make us complete. Jesus came to make us whole. Jesus came to restore our relationship. In that Hark the Herald, it says, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's biblical. That's good theology right there. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled. Because ever since sin came in, there's been brokenness and separation that we could never bridge the gap. And now, through Christ, we can be whole again. Our relationship can be healed. 
Jesus came to make a way for us to be reconciled, for us to be restored, complete, and whole. True peace, though, is only found by trusting in Jesus. It talks about peace to everyone on whom his favor rests. How does his favor, how do you get that then? Like, well, how, how do I make that happen? Trust in Jesus. That's faith. That's the word we use for it, faith. Trusting in Jesus. I'm not trusting in my ability to make myself complete. I'm not trusting in my ability to make myself whole. I trust in Jesus. He's the one that makes that happen. True peace is only found in trusting in Jesus, which is by, by the way, why, by the way, Paul will come along a little bit later in the book of Romans. You might be familiar with that book. That said, he's going to say, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. When we put our trust in him, when we see him for the God that he is, the magnitude of what he is, that he came to bring us life and life to the fullest. When we put, allow that, he will bring a peace into our life that will happen despite all the chaos, despite all the conflict, despite all the war, despite the fact that things aren't going well, you can have this peace, this sense of wholeness and completeness because of what he's done. So, the last thing here, if you look at this, who does, who does who show up to? Who do the angels show up to? Shepherds. Why shepherds? Of all people, why would you go to the shepherds? If you want people to know, should you show somebody that has a little bit more influence than that? I mean, not only shepherds, you got night shift shepherds. Everybody else is sleeping right now. Why would you go to them? This is the lowest job. This is the lowliest people. And these are people that are actually despised in that culture. Because a lot of times shepherds that were out in the fields at night, like there, sometimes there would be multiplication of sheep at times, you know, but the herd would never grow. And they're like, gee, what happened? I thought, you know, and they would kind of siphon those off. And they had this reputation about them. But who is it? They came to these shepherds. They didn't come to the king. They didn't go to the king. They didn't go to the emperor. They didn't go to the high priest. He didn't go uh, to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He didn't go to the influencers who had the greatest amount of TikTok, you know, subscribers. Didn't go to the people that had the most Twitter followers. Who did he go to? He went to these shepherds, which kind of tips us off on something kind of cool. Whoops, I just went past it. God revealed the extraordinary to the ordinary. He revealed the extraordinary to the ordinary. Why did he do this? Because you know what? He's still doing that. You see, we get busy, don't we? And the more things you got going on, the more irons in the fire, the more things you got going on, the more things you're juggling, the more stuff, the busy we are, the harder it is for us to stop and even see God. But he also wants to know that this Savior is not just for the elite. It's for all people. This is good news of great joy for all people. The Savior. So he comes to these shepherds and, and he chooses them to do something, some, some interesting things. The shepherds were chosen, were the ones chosen to, first of all, experience the glory of God. They got to experience the glory of God. They had an angel, by the way, the way the Bible writes this, if you look at the verbiage of it, this is written, it was in close proximity to them. It's not three blocks over, two blocks down. They didn't see it on a flat screen TV and go, oh yeah, there was the Holy Spirit somewhere. No, the angel was right there in front of them in their glory. I don't know about you, but when was the last time you had an angel sitting in front of you? Talking to you. Um, 
Never on my watch have I ever had that happen. And yet these shepherds out in this field have this happen to them. They get to experience the glory firsthand. They get to experience the extraordinary firsthand. And while they were terrified, I love how the angel said, don't be afraid. To which the shepherds were probably like, yeah, right. Have you seen yourself? Have you seen the glory you're bringing? They're like, yeah, we have. But it's okay. I got good news. So first, they get to experience the glory of God. Second of all, they get to be the first to hear the good news. The first people to get to hear the good news that the Messiah is here are these shepherds out in the fields that night. The long-awaited Messiah that they've been talking about and reading in scrolls and talking about in the Sanhedrin with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis and the teachers, all of this, everybody's been looking and talking and waiting and can't wait. And who's he come to? Shepherds out in the field that night. They are the first people to get to hear the good news. Not only that, they get to be the first to see Jesus or see the good news. He's like, he's over there. He's in that city of the town of David. You're going to find him in Bethlehem. He's going to be there. This is how you check him out, okay? So put it on your ways. Yeah, you go here and you turn left here and there's a 7-Eleven. Yeah, go around there. And there he is. They're going to be in a manger. Not a manger, really. The king's in a manger. Yeah, he's in a manger. Don't worry, he's out back. There was no room in the front, so they had to put him in the back. Okay, great, we'll go in the back. And they go and they do this. And they get to go see Jesus firsthand. They walk in. They're the first people. I mean, obviously you got Mary and Joseph to the psalm because, you know, they were big family. But who's the first to get to see Jesus? Shepherds. The ordinary. Were you going to answer? That's good. I like that. It's good interaction. The long way to Messiah is here. So not only are the first to that, they're the first to that. They're also, the, they're also chosen to share the good news with others. So they're the first to hear the good news. They're the first to see the good news. And then the first ones that get to share the good news. And by the way, the angels didn't say, okay, so here's the dude. We're coming to you because we need you to do this. So I want you to hop on your account. I want you to post this on Facebook, get some good selfies on there, and make sure that you get the word out. Mm -mm -mm -mm. The angels didn't even have to say that. When they go and they see and everything that happened, they looked and they said, we got to go tell somebody. We got to go, we get to everything that the angel and happened and there he is and there he is and there we got to see the Messiah. He's here and everywhere they went. It says they start spreading the news. They get to spread the good news and share the good news. Jesus is here, the Messiah is here, the Messiah is here and it starts spreading like wildfire out there. Why? Because when we meet Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, can I tell you some of the most, this is by the way, that's called evangelism. When you meet Jesus, when Jesus comes in contact with you, can I tell you some of the most evangelical, the most outreaching people in the world that I know are people that have just encountered Jesus. Who've just been set free, who their life has just been changed. When it is fresh and Jesus is still lingering in the air, I got to tell somebody, I got good news. You don't understand my life. This is where I was, and now I've been set. This is what Jesus did. He said, he could do it for you too. They were the first ones to go out and chosen to share the good news with other people. And I tell you, as we, as we kind of close this up today, God loves to share the extraordinary through the ordinary. I don't know about you. But even before, can I tell you, yeah, even before I became a, a, a pastor and this whole call to ministry, I remember when God, when God first said, this is what I want you to do, I remember, you've got to be kidding me. Are you, it's me. Do you know me? Like, I, you're a bad choice. Great God, bad judge of character. This is not good. You don't want me. 
And I remember kind of disqualifying myself going, you don't understand what's going on in my life. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't want to use me. Get somebody who's got their act together. Someone with some credibility. He goes, mm, no, Brent, you're exactly what I want to use. Because when all this happens, when good things happen, when things change, play, take place, they're going to know it wasn't you. And it's going to bring me glory. And I said, well, okay. You may be sitting here today and you think, it's just me. There's no way God wants to do it with me. God doesn't want to use me. Why would he want to use me? I'm just me. It's just ordinary me. This is, in fact, I'm, I'm less, I'm as unextraordinary as you can imagine. I'm unqualified. I'm not, I, he's been doing this forever. He takes extraordinary good news and he uses the ordinary to spread it. And can I tell you, I know some of your Bible studies. I know some of the small groups that you're in. I've seen the way that you share the good news amongst each other. I've seen the way that you've reached out to people out in other places. I've seen you share it. God is using you to be a witness of the extraordinary good news of Jesus Christ in our world. But we need to make sure that we lean in. This isn't just, by the way, Pastor Kevin's job. It's all our job to share the extraordinary good news. And it's going to be a theme that we're going to see just kind of continue to unfold. If you look at the very first miracles that take place when Jesus turns water into wine, guess who gets the front row seat to that? You know who knows about it? Who turns, when Jesus turns water into wine, you know who knows about that? The servants who filled the, 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 the vases. Those are the ones that know. Everybody else is like, gee, what happened? This is kind of interesting. This is why you give us the good stuff. They don't know what happened. Who was the one that happened? Hey, Jesus says, hey, go fill those things with water. They're like, water? They don't need water. They want wine. It's just filled with water. And then they start serving it, and they're like, it's wine now. He turned water into wine. Who gets the first? The ordinary servants. Those are the ones that get to take first thing. And you know what he does when he wants to go change the world? He goes around and he starts picking out some ordinary schmo guys, fishermen, tax collectors, not good enoughs, and sends them, trains them, and sends them. God wants to use the ordinary to change this world. He's been doing it forever, and he wants to involve us in that again. God wants to use you to share the extraordinary, to proclaim this good news that Christ has been born. Messiah is here. We don't have to wait any longer. Wholeness, completeness, shalom is available to us today. So, as the carol sings, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host. Proclaim that Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. We're invited to join. We're not here to watch the chorus. We're not here to watch the choir. We're here to give voice to the good news. Christ, Christos, the Messiah has come, and with that, he's brought peace. Wholeness, completeness, fullness is available to all of us today. The band's going to come, and we're going to sing a song. And as we come and sing this last song, I just want to challenge you and encourage you. I've put some, if you have your, your notes there, uh, on, on the back of your notes, um, or the bottom, yeah, back bottom side, there's some reflection questions. I'd love for you to just take a look at those this week. Look at that. What, what experience have you had with God? Have you experienced that shalom? Or are you still chasing this summer, this, this, this Christmas? 
Are you looking for things that are going to bring you completeness and wholeness? Or, 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 or are you, have you found that in Christ? And if you have it, who are you sharing that with? Who are you going, I got to tell? Who do you know in your life right now that needs the good news of Jesus? I just invite you as we sing this song to pray. If there's somebody that you need to be sharing this with, pray for it right now. God, give me the boldness. Give me the opportunity. Give me the words. Prepare the heart. You may already be going, yeah, I got good news. They don't want to hear it from me. I know. There are people that do not want to hear it from you. But if the Holy Spirit goes before you, preparing the heart and making that happen, it's your job to go tell. It's not your job to force somebody to receive it. It's your job to put it out there. Gently. With grace. Like it's good news. Who do you need to tell? And can I tell you, you can't share something you don't have yourself. Maybe today you're sitting here and going, I'm incomplete. I'm looking for all these ways to make myself whole and it's not there. And I know that something's missing. Maybe today's that day that's Jesus. We're gonna pray. And as I pray, if you want to come, talk to God. Whatever it is you need to do, let's do this. Because the God of the universe became flesh and dwelt among us. And wants to change everything, just like he did for those shepherds that night. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season. We thank you for this Advent. We thank you that we can prepare our hearts, Lord, to fully celebrate on Christmas what it is that you came and did. And there's so much to this. But yet somehow, God, in the familiarity of these stories, it's easy for them to lose their meaning and their significance and their teeth in our lives. It's easiest for us to overlook them. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard that story. Oh yeah, I've heard that story. But Lord, like the greatest movie we've ever seen, the greatest book we've ever read, the greatest stories ever told, may we watch this and relive this over and over and over again. And maybe it real for us today, this idea that you have come to bring us shalom. You are the prince of peace. Lord, it doesn't mean that our conflicts are necessarily going to go away. It doesn't mean that our circumstances aren't going to necessarily change. However, in the midst of that, we can stand firm knowing that the God who has overcome this world, who is almighty and powerful, will hold us and sustain us through that all, which gives us peace. We don't have to figure out how we are going to fix, how we are going to complete, how we are going to make whole. Rather, we can trust you to do what only you can do. But thank you for this time. Thank you for this today. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with me as we sing one last song today?